Hey everybody, good to see you here. It is 7 o'clock on the East Coast, broadcasting from Studio B. It's quite frankly a little bit of a Studio A update. Around 1.30, 1.45 in the morning last night, we came to a conclusion that got us pretty excited. That instead of just trying to uh, replace all the USB cables that we had at the studio that were feeding all of the webcams into the new computer and trying to find different inputs to use as to not overload any one USB controller over the other, we started analyzing the actual wires themselves and the data that was being uh, relayed. And we said, how about this? How about we go from passive wires, passive USB 3s, to active? So we got active wires, and we're also feeding it all into a powered USB hub instead of going directly into this computer. That got us pretty excited. And we ran the idea by a couple of very uh, technically inclined friends, and they were uh, they were also pretty excited about the prospects of that working. So I had to reorder a couple hundred dollars more worth of stuff, and that will be in by tomorrow. And Thursday night, I will complete the 7 to 9 p.m. show, and then I will pack myself up and go to the studio and pull late night over there to try to get that uh, working out with Mike. And then, uh, and then we move on to the next big thing in this uh, this year has to offer us. So it's one thing after another. But uh, thankfully, thankfully, we have Studio B. I'm so happy for that. And uh, everybody, just please keep. I know that there are worse things in the world, but please keep Aurora in your prayers tonight. She bonked, bonked her head about an hour ago. That she's running around the living room, and man, I've never seen a welt pop up that quickly it was an instantaneous welt she never lost consciousness so the, I, I don't know how much of this is you know if there's a small concussion there or whatever but man uh it, it was instantaneous this thing was the size of like two striker marbles and i was able to get it down with uh some frozen peas but but damn so we're watching that and if you just uh keep her in your your nightly intentions that'd be wonderful all right all right so here's what we got going on tonight and we have a little bit more time than i thought we would because now that we had all of that uh i ordered all of that technology for to for thursday night i don't have to leave here tonight at eight o'clock like i said it was gonna be a short show so we have chris ann hall coming on in five minutes and i want to talk to her about uh what's going on in texas in fact we should just do that right now thank you to all the sponsors blue monster prep above all on bluemonsterprep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for free shipping. We got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm going to be opening up the inside information hotline, especially in the second half of the show. If you are somebody in the know, it doesn't matter what it is. If you know something's coming, you have seen something from the inside, and you want to get the word out to people, you don't have to use your name. We have a designated hotline opened up for tonight. You can call in, and you can give us some inside information. It could be something that's going on anywhere. Do you work in a deep underground military base? Do you work out there in Montauk? What the hell? What's coming our way? What do you know? What do you say? So the the inside information hotline is coming back tonight. And I hope that a few of you get through. All right. With that, we will be right back. Help me wherever you are. Share the show far and wide. And Chris Ann Hall will be on in a flash. Any idea how six six successful censorship is on TV? Don't don't know the answer. Hmm. Successful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, I love answering your questions, reading your shout outs, especially the hypothetical questions that can turn an entire show on its head. You can send all of those in through the, the Super Chats, quite frankly, superchat.com. There's the gold pills on Foxhole and uh, Pilled. There are um, the Rumble Rants. There's the Rockfin Tips. I mean, they're always read onto the record. Even if we jump off at the second half, uh, right at the uh, right at the half, they're always right onto the record, and they're always appreciated because they really they make so much the um, so much the operation go. So thank you for being a part of it in advance. Thank you so much. All right, so just to set the table before uh, we bring on Chris Ann Hall, who's already hanging out in the lobby, we've got this. We've got this. It's a uh, it's it's a little bit of a. You've probably seen it all over the place, but it's from Business Insider, syndicated by MSN. And the first one up is, here it is, boom. Supreme Court Justices Roberts and Coney Barrett, oh boy, they split with conservatives to give Biden a border win. They cleared the way for federal agents to cut through barbed wire that Texas put up along the southern border. Justices John Roberts... And Amy Coney Barrett, who I'm so embarrassed for ever having been excited about, sided with the court's three liberals in the 5-4 decision. It's a huge win for the Biden administration in his border fight with Texas. <laughs> just the writing, the way that they have to write about it, because it's just, it's just what it is now. This is the Biden administration. This is the federal government's fight. The border fight with Texas. The Texas. Not the international invasion party. Waves of foreigners that are just that are streaming over the border. Their fight with Texas for trying feebly to stop it. My gosh. So I just want to talk about this because, and let me just say, as Chris Ann joins us tonight, um, there is, Chris Ann knows the time of day, all right? Uh, she knows what ad adversaries we are up against, how long they've been at it, and how precarious our situation is. But it doesn't mean that situations like these aren't, they shouldn't be made into teachable moments about, uh, you know, what is real in a constitutional sense, in a historical sense, just so that there's a little bit more outside of the gut feeling of, hey, a government 
facilitating an invasion of its own country, of its own territory, I should say, uh, that does, just doesn't feel right. There's something off there. Even if they say, well, we just want the borders open so we can properly process these people. Process them? There's no responsibility to process them. There's a responsibility to repel them. So, yeah, it doesn't take anything more than a little bit of a connection to your gut to know that something is not right there. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight because there is the, the question about what is real and what's nonsense, and then there's the question about uh, where do we go from here and what the hell a judge does anyway. Chris Ann, do you hear me? I can. Can you give me two seconds? Sure, go right ahead. Okay, so Chris Ann's going to have two seconds. She's doing her thing. Uh, what, what that'll give me is some time to go to this. Now, because we are in a uh, in a an abuse cycle, which I I really like a, avoiding. You know these these topics. They are they make things relevant. Uh, the, the 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 times that we come in, they really do define the times that we that we are uh, that we live in. So I'm going to get into a little bit more. But why this gives us insight into a lot of things, and also. Uh, the people who are always laying commentary on this stuff, too, a little bit more insight into them. But right now we have Chris Ann just came back, so we'll do the other thing I was going to do later on. All right, Chris Ann Hall, we got to talk. I'm looking at a picture of Frank looking like Thomas Jefferson smoking a blunt, man. Yeah. What is up yeah. with that? Okay, yeah. See, that was a very, very nice, um, very nice portrait that was done by a listener years ago. And uh, it is, uh, you know, Aurora saw it. She goes, what's in your mouth? And I said, oh, that's just a toothpick. And <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting. I have a nice defined uh, hairline with that. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the founding father, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, th that's what everybody on Zoom sees when I'm here at home because you don't get a, uh, a camera feed like I usually give you at the studio. But uh, anyway, it's good to have you with us. Well, I'm watching you a little bit on DLive, too, just so you know. I, I, I didn't want to be without some kind of input, some kind of feedback there. So Right, just a little <laughs> bit of reference. But you know what? You're the first person I thought about just to do a, a, a quick lightning round on this with, at, with Texas because a couple of weeks ago you put out a video about the two ways that defending the border is constitutional – from a mm -hmm. federal and a state level, hopefully in a sane world, you have a little bit of both working together because you have some kind of common yeah. common bond and wanting to protect your home. Um, but, you know, I shared that, that. right? I know. I put that in rotation on the network. I shared it with, I tweeted it out, Telegram. I shared it with friends and all that stuff. Uh, before we get into what happened right now, can you put this into a nutshell? Um this whole idea of federal superiority or anything like that, who has the power to police the border? Go ahead. Well, it's it's very interesting because I just I, I was in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas, um, maybe 10 days ago, maybe two weeks ago. I don't remember. And I gave an entire presentation on this. And it's it's really awesome. In the nutshell is this, okay, so a lot of people have pushed all of this on to Biden. The reality is, according to the Constitution, it's not actually Biden, it's Congress. So if you'll allow me to just sort of recite to you how this works, 
Article 1 in the Constitution describes the power that has been delegated to Congress. Article 2 is the power that's delegated to the president, okay? Mm. And if you look at Article 2, you'll notice there's very little autonomous power delegated to the president of the United States. And one of the greatest misconceptions that we have is that the president of the United States works almost uh, continually, eternally as the commander in chief, when that's not true at all. Uh, the president of the United States is only the commander in chief when the military is called into actual service, and that's via Congress through the power to declare war. So the president of the United States is not a commander in chief unless war has been declared by Congress, which means we haven't had a true presidential co commander in chief since World War II. Now, some people will argue about the whole thing of the War Powers Act, but the War Powers Act is fundamentally and wholly unconstitutional because it's a transfer of constitutionally placed power from Congress to the president. And you can't alter the Constitution in a way like that with simple legislation. You actually have to amend the Constitution to transfer that power from Article One to Article Two. So the War Powers Act is completely unconstitutional. And if the states wanted to, they could simply refuse to ignore any operation of the president outside the declaration of war or any operation of the president refuse to obey refuse to obey you mean yeah they can refuse to obey Again, absolutely okay. because it's not a legitimate power i mean our founders were i'm gonna just read you a couple quotes uh alexander hamilton said no legislative act therefore contrary to the constitution can be valid mm -hmm. i mean i don't know if you get any simpler than that James Wilson said the power of the Constitution predominates and anything, therefore, that shall be enacted by Congress contrary thereto will not have the force of law. So this is all part of presentations that I give as I call as I go across the United States. It's all outlined in my book, Sovereign Duty. And in our our award winning documentary, I love saying that our award winning documentary, uh, Noncompliant, which you can watch at no cost at noncompliantmovie.com. But anyway, so um, the authority of the states to engage in peaceful noncompliance is one of the most powerful checks and balances. And that's where this comes in, right? Mm. So under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, uh, the Congress, remember Article 1 is the Congress, to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. Article 1, did you catch that? Congress has been delegated the authority by the states to call up the militias, which at this case, present day, is the military and an unconstitutional application of the National Guard, Congress, under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15's duty is to repel invasions, not Biden. Mm -hmm. So I want to be very clear about that. It's Congress that's not doing the job for repelling the invasions in here. So what Congress should do is pass a resolution, pass a law, pass a directive to the President of the United States, hey, we're being invaded 
go execute that law. That's why the president is called the executive branch. His job is to execute the laws created by Congress. Congress would say, hey, we're being invaded. The problem, the, the, then the duty of the president would be to execute that law and to defend the borders from invasion. The Article 4, Section 4 says, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion. Okay, so we understand that Congress is supposed to call up the forces to repel the invasion and then the government, the United States, which is three branches, this is very important to understand, the United States government is three branches, Congress, President, Judiciary, right? All three branches are supposed to work in concert under Article 4, Section 4 to protect them against invasion. So once Congress passes the legislation that tells the president, Article 2, to go and be the commander-in-chief at the border, then the judiciary is supposed to act in line, yes, to repel invasions, right? So Article 1, Section 8, Clause 14 says, Article 1, Congress is to make the rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces. It's Congress that rules over the military, unless there's a de declaration of war. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 12, to raise and support armies. Congress. Now watch this. This is Article 4, Section 7 of the Texas Constitution. The governor shall be the commander-in-chief of the military forces of the state, except when they're called into actual service by Congress of the United States, he shall have the power to call forth the militia to execute the laws of the states and to repel invasions. You see, the Texas Constitution and the U.S. Constitution do not conflict. They actually work together. So you have Congress the U.S. Congress, whose power is and duty is to call up the military under Article 4, Section, uh, Article 1, Section 8, and through Article 4, Section 4, protect these states from invasion. There is a concurrent and equal and oftentimes superior authority of the governor through the Texas Constitution to raise up the forces of Texas to secure and repel invasion. Now watch this. This is a couple things that people don't really think about, right? Number one, the federal government is refusing to call it an invasion, right? Mm -hmm. This is not an invasion. All right, guess what? If it's not an invasion, then you have no authority at the Texas border, and all the authority of the Texas border falls to Texas. <laughs> so if they're not willing to call it an invasion, that means that we have Article 4, Section 7 becomes now the superior law, placing the governor as the commander-in-chief, 
which, by the way, that's the difference between a governor and the president. A governor is always the commander-in-chief. The president is only the commander-in-chief when he's declared so by Congress through the calling of war. So if Biden administration and Congress refuse to call this an invasion, and let me just sort of digress a second because I get really irritated at all these congressmen who run around and and do all their their grandstanding and their sound biting and their feigned frustration at President Biden. They need to pick up the Constitution and read it because it's all their authority. Now, the second thing that I want to talk about has to do with the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay, so we know by Article 4, Section 4, the United States must work in concert to repel invasion. One thing that the American people have lost real grasp of and real concept of is that the Supreme Court is part of the federal government. It's the third branch of the federal government. The states created the federal government by delegating, not surrendering by the way, delegating certain portions of their authority to the federal government to work in the mutual benefit of the entire union. So the states created Congress, the states created the president, the executive branch, and the states created the judiciary. So the, the judiciary, as part of the United States in its form of government, has a constitutional obligation to work in concert with the executive and legislative branches to repel invasion. Mm -hmm. So there is no constitutional authority, uh, obligation for the Supreme Court to protect aliens crossing the border. I guess that's See that's the whole stand that the Supreme Court took. If you if you understand what the what the argument was, the argument was that um the Biden administration who's suing Texas can't facilitate the processing of these people because of this barbed wire, which is all a lie, Frank, because the processing centers are not barbed wire closed. There are processing centers. They're not barbed wire closed. But the Supreme Court, and I love it when they say that Roberts and Barrett, the conservatives, sided with the liberals. That's not even a true statement. Roberts is a liberal. Roberts has always been a liberal. And I sort of cringe, and I'm sorry. I know you love me, Frank, and I know you'll still love me. But I told everybody Barrett was not who she said she was during the nomination hearings. She was always a wolf in sheep clothing. Always. And I told people, don't you, you, she should not, she's not a constitutionalist. Oh, once I heard you say it, then I was like, oh, okay, I, I gave, it gave me pause. Because yeah. prior to that, prior to that, we're like, oh, this is... This is going to be interesting. And then I said, oh, that's no. all the propaganda, man. Well, I mean, we're seeing it right. You know, and, and here's yeah. what here's what it comes down. So so you, you've you've laid out how uh, Texas is pretty much doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And that and, and, and they say that they're going to defy the uh, the opinion of the court, which I, I hope that they do. 
Now, let me let me jump in here, Frank, because I have one more thing to tell you about that. Go ahead. Because that's actually Texas's job to defy the court in this situation. James Madison, whom we refer to as the father of the Constitution, wrote in 1800. He said, if the decisions of the judiciary be raised above the authority of the states, dangerous powers not delegated may not only be usurped and executed by other departments, but the judicial department also may exercise or sanction dangerous powers beyond the grant of the Constitution. Consequently, Madison says, the ultimate right of the states to judge whether the Constitution has been dangerously violated must extend to violations by one delegated authority as well as by another, by the judiciary as well as by the executive or the legislative. You see, the states are the higher power because they're the creators. They're the authors of the Constitution. They're the creators of the federal government. And Madison, once again, is reminding us there are three branches legislative, executive, and judiciary, all created by the states, and the states are the ultimate check and balance on all three branches when they don't follow the Constitution. Mm. Okay, so now, so then let me just ask you about judges then in general. I understand that if there is a property dispute, intellectual or otherwise, whatever, just anything that needs media, I understand the, the, the need for mediation, I understand arbitration fairly enough, contracts and all that stuff but you know when it comes to judges and i see what's going on here i I, sometimes i ask myself why judges at all you bring them in to be a third party who's supposed to apply law as written that's been passed by duly elected legislature Mm -hmm. but if they have an opinion or a personal interpretation of that law that differs from the original intent then uh the subjects in a case have an unspoken or a spoken duty to ignore the opinion. So it's only if they're, if, if they're, uh, it's just like they're there to come in and say, do this. Why can't everybody just, you know, if we're at a, if we're at a, 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 a place in society where we're passing laws and, or we're following the rules, we can't hold ourselves to follow the rules, then why bring somebody in who's just as infallible and just as unfaithful to the law as the people who wrote it? I mean, you know, as bad as watching Congress work and defy logic, uh, to then defer to even more, um, even more ridiculously politically insane people like judges makes me go nuts because at least Congress, you have a group of idiots and majorities, and then you have a judge is just one person that can that can derail everything and create precedent for generations. It's like well, what what you're talking about really is. Oh, my gosh, there's so much to unpack there. But the reality is judges are, yes, supposed to apply the law, but they are an essential check and balance of other branches of government as well. The judges are not there to interpret the Constitution as the Joseph Story cult members try to teach everybody and have taught everybody since 1830. There's no truth in that. The judges are not the arbiters of what's constitutional, of, of the Constitution, right? A judge's duty is to take the law as a picture and see if it, well, if you want to, like a, a pegboard, right, with certain shapes. Does this law fit into the constitutional whole? Right. If the law does not fit into the constitutional whole, you're supposed to throw the law. And that's part of the check and balance that the judiciary has. Our problem is, is since 1830, the 
object of the judiciary has morphed under this doctrine of judicial supremacy that's supported by a doctrine of federal supremacy, right? That the judiciary is uh, unquestionable and unchallengeable. And then you mentioned that word precedent, right? That somehow precedent becomes law itself. Mm -hmm. We hear it all the time. Uh, For a long time, we heard Roe v. Wade is the law of the land. Well, no, it's not. Roe v. Wade was a Supreme Court opinion. It was never a piece of federal legislation. And even if it were a piece of federal legislation, as Wilson and Hamilton told us, hate Hamilton all you want, but as the biggest government guy there, he fought for a more limited government than what we have. Mm -hmm. So uh, under those two men and everybody else who ratified the Constitution, for that matter, the the idea that the judiciary is the supreme law and creates law is unconstitutional because only the legislative body can create law. If the legislative body creates a law that legalizes abortion at the federal level, it's unconstitutional because we didn't delegate that authority to the federal government to make those kind of laws. And so the judiciary has a very valuable role. The problem is, is that we've been teaching the role of the judiciary wrong since 1830. You're right. They are mediators at the local level, Um, but they're also an essential check and balance when they're working properly, which is why at the federal level now, right, at the federal level, that's why Madison said, look, we fully comprehend the possibility of a judiciary becoming corrupt. Yeah, and there and we if are. nobody thinks they didn't comprehend that, then they don't know history because their history was was ripe with the judiciary partnering partnering with the king to become an oligarchy. But that's what we've created now. We've created a Supreme Court in which Americans actually believe that an oligarchy of five creates an unchallengeable, uh, absolutely incontestable law of the land. That's, and that's exactly why I asked, because it, it's not so much the written reason or the codified reason for a, a, a you know, the judiciary for existing and what, what their function is. It's a matter of what are they today Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do we have to look forward to as them being that that arbiter of, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, the constitutional questions and law and practice and all that stuff. If it's just if it's just one side that is going on attack for their ideology and the other side, I, I actually think that President Trump said this the other day. I thought it was a really a, a, a fine, um, a fine diagnosis of the issue. He said he was talking about the about judges, and he said that one side goes on attack constantly for their cause and their party, and then the other side overcompensates to want to show how unbiased they are to actually continue to give victories where they are not warranted to be able to show that, oh, I'm not being influenced by the people who appointed me. And it's the, uh, and the people who suffer are us. You know, that's that's the real thing. And it just seems to be just like the main driving uh, trait of the whole culture of judges. And uh, it, it, it makes it makes us all seem disgusting, especially when you look at some districts that are worse than others like D.C. 
and um, makes you wonder if we're ever going to get uh, ever going to get even I don't know minimally on track. When I see MSN, when I see a, a headline like this, when they say this is a huge win uh, uh, to your point for the Biden administration, a uh, huge win for the Biden administration, I guess to the point that is you know the figurehead right now of a larger operation in its border fight with Texas. The fact that this is a border fight between the federal government and one border state that is trying to do something reasonable out there instead of a group effort to repel an invasion is just very disturbing. It's very disturbing. It's disturbing. You you actually made two very valid points, right? So, um, and, and I want to reach back to one that you made earlier about the judges being of the same corrupt population. Well, that's never going to change. We're, we're, a, we're a culture of people. We're a, a society of people. That's who we are. It's why James Madison said that if men were angels, we wouldn't need government. But if men were governed by angels, we wouldn't need checks and balances. So the checks and balances are, are essential, and the judiciary is essential in those checks and balances. But it's a cultural problem that allows for the degradation of the morality within those entities, within those checks and balances, within those agencies. Mm. And uh, I, I, I think that that's why Bastiat's The Law is an absolute essential read for every human being on this planet. So we need to... And that's one of the first things that I instruct my students. They have to leave. I mean, I'm teaching intro to government. And in the second week, I mean, these are people that have never had any government class before in their life at the college that I teach at. And in the second week, we're reading Bastiat because it's that essential, right? And the problem here is this. The culture and the education, they they go hand in hand. You can't separate them. And we've been taught the wrong things for a very long time. And I want to sort of pull your memory back to the judicial nomination hearings, right? Think in your mind, what was the conversation? We don't need a liberal judge. We need a conservative judge. And we need Trump to put forward a conservative judge. And the Democrats want a liberal judge. Guess what? Those are both conservative judges and liberal judges are both titles of activist judges. We don't need liberal judges. We don't need conservative judges. We need constitutional ones. And unfortunately, because as a society, we go marketing and we got our little grocery shop going through the grocery store. Let's go find our aisle with the conservative judges and we want to pull those from the nominee shelf. We go shopping. We actually go shopping as a society for activist judges. And if that's what you're going to pull from, that's what you're going to get. Yeah. No, I I know. And, and you know, in with uh, everything being Hindsight being 2020, you think about how much really uh, thought went into most people, how they were, we were all sold someone like Amy Coney Barrett. It was, oh, it it would be a a really wonderful counterbalance to uh, what's her name, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You have a, a a female conservative that comes in. Uh, she's you know she's got all these adopted children. Not all of them are white. You know, all of a sudden we're checking all the boxes too. Like what what looks good? What's a counterbalance to it all? And then when you look into, but if you you scratch the surface a little bit more, 
And that's what you did on this show. You came in and said, no, 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 you have to look at this, this, and this. What has she done in the past? And, you know, uh, and, and it, all of a sudden the balloon came off the rose a little bit. And at that point, I remember on confirmation day, I think the the best I can come up with was, well, you know, she was an intern for Justice Scalia. And let's just hope that a little bit of that <laughs> rubs off and and she she almost feels like a higher calling once she's in the big seat. And uh, and up to this point, it really has not been, you know, aside from the 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 uh, the Roe versus Wade uh, way in that you know, there's some things you can't uh, complain too bad about. But this has not been very stellar. I, I don't want to. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just such a hardcore constitutionalist, Frank. I just I, I don't I really a lot hold my tongue because I realize there's a lot of things that that many people aren't aren't ready to digest, you know, and look, when you're judging people amongst people, you're always going to find degrees, right? And so I think what I want to do is in all the love in my heart to everybody that's watching is please don't judge people against other people because you're never going to hit the mark. We should always be judging people in government, not is he more conservative, is he going to be like this person, is he less than that person, is how does this person's record measure to the Constitution? Because I'm going to be, oh gosh, I'm going to be really plain spoken here because I know you, you like it and that your people can take it, but Scalia wasn't often a constitutionalist. I mean, it was Scalia who expanded the power of the EPA to define what a carbon credit is. You know, I mean, so we have to be very clear to got to get out of the uh, of the natural habit to judge people against people amongst ourselves and hold them to the standard of the Constitution. And with Amy Coney Barrett came another pet peeve of mine. So most of your long-term followers who've been with us all these, how many years have we been together, Frank? Well, your first appearance was before I moved into the the quote-unquote new studio, which... Yeah, long before that, right? I know, and and that was, we moved in there in December of 2015, so I don't know, it's almost, we probably know each other for 10 years now. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know I'm a Christian, and the people in this room that have heard me speak before know I'm a Christian. I am I am a devout follower of Christ. I am not a religious person. I am a Christian relationship person. I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't follow a religion, right? And so the thing that one of my greatest pet peeves is just proof of why Amy is such a bad choice from get-go is that it is— the uncontrollable urge of the religious right to run to these candidates and say, oh, they're Christians and we've got to have a Christian and they're a strong Christian. And rule number one for me, if you're running for office and the first thing I see about you is that you're a Christian, number one, you're probably overcompensating for something. And number two, you're probably not qualified for the job and you're trying to be qualified based on the nature of identity politics. And here's the thing. 
And this is what I tell all my Christian friends. My pastor even says this. You are a, you are nominating a Supreme Court justice. You are electing a president. You are electing a, a representative, someone in government. You're hoping for a speaker of the house, not a pastor. Stop trying to elect pastors and start electing people with principles. And so I really, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's an unjust part of me, but if you're going to lead off with I'm a Christian or you're going to lead off with I'm going to vote for them because they're a Christian, you've lost me already. I'm already suspicious. So the whole trumpeting up of her Christianity is was one of the things that just blew her up for me and really made me started to look. And I want to tell you, Frank, we talked about this off the air. I knew Amy was going to vote this way because I know what's happening at the border. I know who the players are at the border. And one of the largest NGO players, not just at the border, but in every sanctuary city, is a non-governmental charitable organization, charitable organization called Catholic Charities. Mm -hmm. Catholic Charities plunders millions of tax dollars every year by uh, getting government aid to do things that are not legal. 8 USC 1324. Write that down and look it up. 8 USC 1324 is the federal law on naturalization that our government is allowed and authorized to make by the Constitution. Congress is authorized to make the Uniform Rules of Naturalization. And 8 USC 1324, Uniform Rule of Naturalization, says that it is illegal to house, hire, shelter, feed, uh, transport, or otherwise in any way, shape, or form, encourage an, an alien to be in the United States illegally. Incur you can't encourage them to come into the United States contrary to the laws of immigration, and you cannot encourage them to stay contrary to the to the laws of immigration. Now that law 8 USC 1324 says that if you violate that law, there are fines and penalties up to $5,000 and 10 years in prison for each individual that you encourage to come or encourage to stay. <laughs> wow. And Catholic Charities gets millions of dollars of your money and my money and tax dollar money to break the law. Yep. And they're down there breaking the law, getting rich off of it. And Amy Coney Barrett is indebted to them, indebted to them from their lobbyists and their, their financial support and who she is. And that was all tied up in her Christian religion. So I knew how she was going to vote on this because Amy does not vote constitutional. Amy votes either precedent favoring large bureaucratic government 
or she votes activist to her lobbyists. For a long time, for a long time now, uh, we've been following all the stories that point right down to that, the uh, the faith-based uh, initiatives that they call them down there, Catholic Charities being among the, uh, the mm-hmm. biggest offenders. And it's really just legalized human trafficking. Aside from the fact that you are like you, you're you're citing you're citing um, law by you know through you know exactitudes there. What's what's going wrong and who should be in jail for it? But it's just it's it's legalized human trafficking, and it's not yes. it, into the worst part about it is it's not even just like a blind eye has been has been turned as you said before. They're the recipients of countless millions of our money. Yeah, I don't even want. I hate even calling it tax dollars. It is things that we earn. It's money that we earn that was stolen from us, and they're recipients yeah. of it to continue on with this legal human trafficking. And um, and, and it's all over the place. It, the, the 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 southern border is just a feeder system, and then uh, they're shuffled off thousands of miles inland quickly and just disappear forever. So I. You know, you, you 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 hit on everything I wanted to touch on tonight, Chris Ann. Anything you want to you want to um, end with as far as this, what what to look out for? I like I said before, I know that Texas has vowed to continue to act in defiance uh, and rightfully so of the of the of the Supreme Court opinion. But uh, what do you see coming? What do you hope comes? Well, I, let me make let me make a certain statements of truth that will guide you in in understanding on what I want, what I hope to see, right? So any government that does not protect the life, liberty, and property of its people is pointless and useless. Remember, the Declaration of Independence says that the only purpose of government is to secure our rights, Not the rights of people coming to America, but the rights of Americans. It's the only purpose of government. So if you have a government that is not securing your life, your liberty, and your property, there's no point in them to exist anymore. Now, these United States, I think, would be more accurately called the American Union, right? The Union of American States. And we were established as a union for the mutual benefit of its members, not for the prosperity and the benefit of the federal government in Washington, D.C., but the mutual benefit for its members. As a matter of fact, the, the um, Articles of Incorporation call it the, the Friendship and Felicity Mutual Benefit Agreement, right? What has happened now, and this is a very, very important thing to understand, this constitution, this union is formed by a contract between the states. Yes, the federal government is refusing to protect the life, the liberty, the property of the people of of America. And I'm not even going to simply say Texas, I'm going to say everyone, right? Because we know this is not a Texas problem, This this is an American problem because the invasion is coming everywhere and the danger is coming everywhere, right? So what we have to understand is that the federal government is the product of the state's contract. The federal government doesn't exist outside the Constitution, and the only reason it exists is because the states ratified the union that created the Constitution, which created the federal government. The reality here is this. 
as a contract, every contract is entered into voluntarily. If it's not voluntarily entered into, it is a voided contract. It's an inequitable agreement. So we know every state is in this union voluntarily, which means they can't be forced to stay if the contract is truly a contract and not a conquering. Okay, let's just be clear about that. You can force them to stay, but then that's conquering. That's not contracting. Well, that's what happened already. We, we, that, that conquering has already been happened. Yeah, but it's, but it's not legitimate, right? Because it's contrary to the Constitution. Therefore, it is void. The conquering happened here, Frank. It didn't happen legally. So we are still operating under a contract of mutual agreement. When you understand that, you really understand that, yes, the federal government is failing Texas and the border states, but in reality, it's 49 other states that are parties to this contract that are failing Texas. Because the reality is the states have an authority and a duty to control their creation, the federal government. And I saw somebody in the chat room say earlier, well, I don't believe what she says when, when the states are superior to the Supreme Court or bigger than the federal government or whatever. You, I challenge you to read the book Sovereign Duty. Read that book from cover to cover and then come to me and tell me where I'm wrong. Because in that book, I give you all my sources, all original text. I don't glean from anybody's interpretations of anything. I go back to the people who actually wrote these documents. So what I'm teaching you, what I'm telling you now is a fact. It is not opinion. It is not extrapolation. It's not interpretation. It is an absolute fact. And when we, the other states, allow this to happen in Texas, we are breaching the contract with Texas. And with the, contact, con, with the contract breached with Texas, Texas has the contractual authority to say, I don't want to be a party to this contract anymore. You're not living up to your end of the contract. I'm pulling out of the contract. And then they're no longer obligated to us. And we are no longer obligated to them. But you see, they are now independent to really guard themselves which puts them in a better position than having to fight with a government that wants to destroy them. Yeah. And the Biden administration doesn't want to destroy America. Biden administration, well, the Biden administration wants to destroy America because the Biden administration is not funded and working by and for Americans. The Biden administration has, has been linked and co-opted with the same globalists who have taken over Europe and they want to bring America to its knees so they can, can rule over America the way they do the European union. But you see, we're not European. We're not made of that. That's not of our cloth. That is not of our blood and it's not going to work here. They will fail here because we're a completely different people. We're a people in Europe. The European Union has fallen under globalist attack because they were born and raised and used to kingly rule. Americans are not only not used to kingly rule, we threw off kingly rule, made a declaration against kingly rule. It's not in our DNA. So they can't win with us. 
They might get bits and pieces of these socialist enclaves, but they'll never get all of us. And that's why the union it's so important to understand that this is a contract. Mm -hmm. So I want to see us defending the contract, defending each other, all the states coming together to secure the border and telling the federal government, you know, that's what I want to see. Well, let's hope for it. I'm not as, you know, I, I I didn't mean to rant on you. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, Uh, admittedly, I'm not as hopeful. Um, uh, Just, just knowing, just, just being able to, just being able to assess the culture around me. I'm not as hopeful. I, I love the people who I see are becoming more interested in what they may not have been taught. Um, but I don't know. It, this is going to be a, a, a slow, slow burn. Uh, but everything you had, uh, you brought to your to the table tonight has um, is exactly what I want to talk about. As far as where the lines of action are drawn and who's just LARPing as they usually are. And why precedent is not law. Well, Chris Ann Hall, thank you for everything. ChrisAnnHall.com. You are still live every night at six o'clock. I am not Frank. I can't. I I have too many hats now. Um, we are periodically live, but I'm on several other programs today. I was on Court TV and I was on Victory News. Okay, something that I do every week. Um, I try to do a live thing on on um, every once in a while, a pre-record thing, a couple times a month, probably. Okay. But I'm going to be doing some things very shortly now on the Texas thing and some other stuff. Well, we need it. We definitely need your commentary and your uh, your tutelage. It's very, very, yeah. uh, it's necessary. And thank you for the time you've given us tonight, my friend. Thank you. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Ann Hall. There she is, chrisannhall.com. Jump in on anything, that she, especially sovereign duty. It's true. Listen, the federal supremacy stuff. I hate to say it, but if you're in that camp, you're talking from a, a Stockholm syndrome standpoint. It's just it's just it's just not true. It's just not true. It's a convenient thing for people to believe, convenient for the feds. It's a very, very convenient thing. But uh it's just not true. You know, I mean, j- just from the standpoint of why would sovereign states come together and create the same inescapable tyrannical central power that they just spilt their blood throwing off? I mean, just answer that one. So I don't know. Um, it- it's good to hear that, uh, to have uh, to have a lot of the thoughts that I had on the subject kind of confirmed um uh definitely when we talk about the judiciary with the with judges and stuff you say well yeah i understand what their stated purpose is but when that has been so completely corrupted and this becomes our reality then then you have to wonder how far that gets um how far that gets you and what to really expect out of people like the nine dipshits not all of them are bad but um I hate waiting for a a vote between nine people to see what we're all going to pretend is now the law of the land. I hate that. So I'm glad that Texas has shown some balls. Is it too little, too late? Who cares? Honestly, just do what you got to do and just ignore the feds. Now, um, when Chris Ann says that, you know, there is a... It's a, it's a, well, I knew she was where she was going about that. You know, hey, if the contract is broken, I'm leaving. And you're, she's talking about secession, which is exactly what the Civil War was about. 
it was about the issue of secession. Now you can say that behind secession was a the cloud of the question of over slavery. Um, uh, even though even though making slavery permanent was one of the offers that the North offered the South just to be able to keep them to stick around because it was secession. That was the primary question. And um, the reason why I said, well, that has already been answered is because it was it was determined through blood. And now it has become one of those things where whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you sit around and you throw Civil War Civil War uh, references at each other all day, and you're all concluding the same thing, but you just want to be able to make sure that, that your opponent is on the wrong side of the war this time. That's all it is, even though the war itself was completely misunderstood. And the terrible uh, result of that war is that we, we, we truly have been disconnected from our, our original purpose. Okay? And it wasn't to be slavers, human slavers, for the simpletons. Um, you know, people who can only think about slavery constantly talk about Stockholm syndrome. Um, so, you know, that's just one of those things. So I'm told I'm totally down, you know, peacefully walking away, away from the, the negotiating table is a way is a check. I told we were, we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago when this whole thing came up again with uh, slavery and the civil war and Nikki Haley, not being able to say the right thing fast enough for all the losers out there. Um, the the SJWs in the on the right and the left. So we talked about that. It's it's uh it, it's questions that have been answered over time, and have been drilled into what is now tradition of bad behavior and mistakes that are made out of tradition now and precedent, never law and culture and history. It's just precedent and bad habits. That's what it all is. And over time, when people are able to build a trillion dollar or trillions, trillions of dollars of business on top of those bad habits and those norms and those, those, uh, those, uh, you know, that's, that's really where, that's really where you start finding that there's, there's very little places to wiggle away. And, uh, Let's just hope that Texas does its thing. But, you know, there's still three other border states. You still got New Mexico and Arizona and California. And who knows what kind of fight that uh, or will Arizona has. New Mexico, I can't uh, can't really imagine that too much is going on over there. And California, they're, they're looking for ways. They're looking for ways to try to give them uh, all, all the illegals medical insurance out there in California. They're completely nuts as far as the the, the people who run that state or are running that state into the ground. You know, just throwing it out there. And then there's other cope. There's other cope that happens. Let's just do this before we go on a break. And when we come back, we're going to throw open the lines and have uh, have a little bit of a shift over here. I saw this from, what's it called, D.C. Drano. That guy, D.C. Drano. He said, I, I saw this. Where the hell is it? There you go. Said, possible silver lining. This decision could help us once Trump is back in office. Federal supremacy over immigration law means sanctuary cities and blue states can't keep illegals when Trump starts mass deportation in 2025. This may be a long-term win for us. A lo- you, mean, you mean a long-term, short-term win for us, right? Because if Trump does find a way to win, 
Now, I'm not talking about find a way to get the votes. I'm talking about find a way to have the to have the results honored. If Trump does find a way in, then you got four short years with him before something changes, and that's that's only if he get. And that is just in saying that he gets everything he wants out of that, that four years. He's not obstructed in any way, shape, or form. Long-term win. The decision, I mean, I mean, these are never wins when we're talking about legitimizing illegitimate power because it may deliver a favorable result right now in one situation, may give you three other uh, unfavorable results in other situations now and in the future. And the fact that the it, it, all these results are contingent on temporary political whims and 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 shifts in 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 culture and and everything else is just ridiculous. I mean, that's I don't know how anybody can find any comfort in this, you know. Um, and this is why I don't I don't do and want to do politics nearly as much as we used to because that's that's hopeless right there. When I re- when I read that DC Drano tweet, I feel like I'm trapped in a drug rehab center and I can't get out. Possible silver lining. There's no silver lining. Not to that. Only silver lining is whether or not Texas is going to do its thing. All right, now, in the second half of the show, we're going to open up the inside information line. I have a couple of things over here. One is from a Google insider that I saw Zach Voorhees put out there uh, today. An insider reveals chaos at Google. I want to read that a little bit. And then there's also an insider of this Maria uh, uh, Metekluk. Metesiuch? I don't know. Anyway, this woman named Maria, she just got back from Ukraine while visiting some friends, and uh, there's some really good inside information there too, at least inside observation. So I hope that we get some inside insiders that call into the show in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, my little little spiel to you before I bounce over to quitefrankly.tv and pill.net is that there's so much going on over here, I can't tell you how how deeply I'm buried under things that I have to do that I'm doing, but on the other end of those things, it's going to be a it's really going to be a good 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 time, a golden age hopefully for the show that we're going into where we have new brand new systems in place, wonderful staff that's just working and humming along, um, two very very functional broadcast locations with all new equipment and a whole new lease on life and plenty plenty of things in the pot cooking for saturday nights and everything else publishing i want to do it all and we're scratching and clawing there and this is why i want to thank pill.net because i got to kind of just go for it a little bit more with this partnership that they gave us and it's a it's a month-to-month thing you know um this is always going to be the home of the network and it this allowed us to get really down and working because whereas um, whereas this audience has been so kind to me in becoming monthly sponsors, and that is what kept us a, a, afloat and growing for so long, there was still this widening gap for everything I wanted to do and what we had coming in that we needed to get up there. And now um, we're able to fill that gap a little bit more, but I do, I do want to let you know that I do dream of a day One of the things I want to do this year is be able to get to a point where we reopen the show 
for two hours, the full two hours across all platforms again. That is one of my major goals. And that is all contingent on whether or not we can get 0.7% of the audience now, 0.7% to become either five, 10, whatever, $15 a month sponsor, whatever it is, as little as five on Subscribestar. That's the one I'm concentrating on for our 2024 uh, funding goals. It's just something to consider. Only if you not, have not been a sponsor before. If you already are a sponsor of the show, then you just, you're made in the shade. Just, just relax. But um, I would love, love to have more of you guys and gals on. Those of you who are, are able to swing it and love the show and never miss a show and you want to be a part of the, the growth here, I really, my dream is to be able to have so much of this, if not 95% of it, funded by the audience so that everything we do, it is always totally wide open and uh, and provided to you wherever it makes you most comfortable. But my my go-to is always going to be, quite frankly, .TV, powered by Foxhole, because that is the official home of the network. So um, that's my little, my little um, plug for myself. Before we go on intermission here, I'd love to welcome you on as a sponsor. And you can find all those links in the description below or on quitefrankly.tv on the Sponsor Us tab. All right, we will be right back with your calls and so much more. Thanks again to Chris Ann Hall. Don't go anywhere. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 
I just asked, uh, I just asked Lauren to, you know, how's the baby? What, what's going on with Aurora? You know, because their head and all that stuff. She said she got to, she got to bed uh, good enough. She was tired. She didn't. She skipped her nap today. But um, you know, with the with the bonk on her head, I said, well, you know, how was she? Said, She's acting pretty normal. You know, she ice skates around the living room um, at night, and she, you know, she was doing slow ice skating. She said, I, I think that the more she was um, moving around, the more she realized she didn't, you know, feel as good as she did on nights that she doesn't smash her face. I'm telling you, the, her head, her forehead. I, I was in here and I heard the I heard I heard the collision and then the crying when I by the time I got out there and it's just walking out the door. It, it was it was already knotted up like this and black and blue. And you know, I sat there with the with the frozen peas on her head for a while, and we just chilled out, and that went down a little bit. But there's, you know, I checked her uh, her pupils, and I didn't see too many, I didn't see any like kind of dilation issues. But there's no way in hell that you can take you can get rocked like that and not have something going on. So I hope she wakes up tomorrow feeling all right. I hope she doesn't have dizziness or nausea or anything. I gotta watch out for a lot of shit now. Anyway course stay home stay home nothing bad happens home anyway 914-200-0269 that's what we're going to be doing that's the open line right there i want to take a little bit more from you guys and gals i also want to go into the inside info which we're going to be doing in a second let me go to our super chats and then we're going to go and uh, take some just general calls here we have stostube thank you so much my friend no message but i know what he means jay Britt says happy tuesday frank no that's from last night when the hell was this wait a second no this is tonight Okay, is it Tuesday night? Oh my God! Oh man, I forgot it was Tuesday. Jay Brits made me feel like I was going nuts. I thought it was Wednesday. Oh, my mind's all over the place. My mind's all over the place. I'm managing uh, the 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 uh, the arrival dates for all the 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 wires. I have to return eight, nearly eight ten foot USB passive USB wires now that we're switching over to active. So there's just, um, I just can't wait till all this is behind me and I'm dealing with a new set of problems. Jay Britt says, happy Tuesday, Frank. Always love hearing Chris Ann Hall's knowledge of the Constitution. Great show. Solidarity. Stostube. Those two. Something else. Hello Kitty says, hi Frank. I have a question. If our federal, executive, legislative, and judicial branches have broken the social contract, as per the Constitution, are we beholden to paying taxes if our government is allowing an invasion of the United States? Oh, it's not about whether or not we are we are, we're beholden. First of all, much of what they take from us in taxes is is illegal. Um, you can make the case that the federal income tax itself is illegal. The IRS is illegal. It's just that they have a monopoly on force. Okay. 
it gets to the point where you're in the prison yard, you have the warden, and you have all the prison guards at every post watching us do our thing in the courtyard, you know, playing chess, working out, having an occasional fight or a debate with each other. And um, I don't know if you want to if you want to try to break out, then fine. But I guess it's not a good good enough analogy because you'd have to imagine that um, you have to ask, you know, what did we do wrong to be in the prison? But we are we we are really um, we're managed that way. So it doesn't come down to are we beholden to paying that? Well, I'm not going to pay it. Well, well, yeah, you you have every right to not pay it. And um, I think it is the right thing to do to not pay taxes, but I'm going to pay them. I'm getting all of my 1099s. All I'm getting all everything together right now. I'm making a list. I'm going through all my PayPal's and all of my personal uh, uh, expenditures. I'm I'm separating my business expenditures from anything else. What is income? What is a gift? I, I am putting it all down and I'll pay every penny because I'm not going to miss, if I have anything, any control over it, I'm not going to miss one day of my daughter's life with, with me still having breath in my lungs. And that's what it's all about. I know that this government has does not deserve a penny of what I break my back to earn. It's not a very labor-intensive job, but I give at least 16 hours to 17 hours a day to it. I know this government does not deserve a fucking penny, but I also know um, what this government is, how it's set up, and what it's capable of. It's not a patriotic duty to pay taxes. There's nothing patriotic about it. It's, uh, it's you just... You're paying the the, uh, the 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 capital regime that comes into your little chicken shop, your poultry shop, and uh, it says here, you know, pony up. It's protection money. That's what it is. It's just mafioso making the rounds, and they they hire a low a lot of low IQ uh, I, uh, IQ goons to go and collect for them. It's so it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. So I don't know what to tell you, Kitty. I think you can just be uh, miserable about it as I am. When it comes to tax day, other than that, you can't you can't wallow in the misery. But that's that's my uh, opinion on it. Revolution says, man, Jeff Harmon and Chris Ann Hall are among to my two favorite guests. So having them back to back uh, on night back to back nights is hella awesome. Sorry, your tech fuckery continues to drag on. Peace. Well, um, like I said, I think we might be at the end of our of the of a long road. Something about last night, I went to bed really uh, excited about having come up with what we believe could be a very reasonable solution. So I'm, I'm really excited about Thursday night. I don't care that I'll be wrapping up at 9 o'clock and then putting my coat on and going over to the studio to meet up with Mike. He'll get there a little bit earlier than I will, so he'll get a jump start on things. Who knows? I don't know if that means that Friday night we will be there even if it works out because one of the things i'm going to have to do is i'm going to have to build up all of my all of my um my obs scenes again the entire profile so i'm gonna have to do a lot of work building that up and it's fine i guess it's good to do things fresh it's a completely fresh uh you know broadcast studio now totally fresh let's see here tired so tired says hello frank 
I was listening to the recent BCP episode and felt inspired to share my daily uh, in a biannual follow uh, flow experiences. Um, what is this? Hold on. The morning urination is one of the most satisfying flows. Don't take for granted. Uh, the two car insurance payments to Progressive is flow. Yeah, well, I have no clue. I asked BCP about flow. You know, what do you feel like when you're in that flow zone? And yes, waking up in the morning and, and taking a leak is one of those things that um, uh, everybody should experience from time to time. It's great. Now, out of bed. You should be out of bed before you do it. I guess that's one of the one of the things you got to really focus in on. Captain Cast Iron. Wow. Where the hell has Captain Cast Iron been? Says, hello, Frank. Haven't listened in a while. Glad to hear you. Well, glad to be heard. It's great to, great to have you on. Thank you for being here, my friend. All right. Let's go over to Rumble. We got one from Rumble from 925YLG. Says, good luck avoiding future electronic effery. Well... I don't know how much luck I'm going to have on that end, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. At least we have a leg up. I'm hoping for just a couple of years of, of stability. That that would be nice. Uh, let's take a call. 219, what's going on? Hey, Frank. I got a comment about secession. This is John. and uh, But I got to tell you, you got to quit bullshitting about Aurora's bonk on her head. Everybody yeah. knows that you are just following in your father's footsteps, swinging her by her ankles from a rope and letting her go. That's how it happened. We all know it. So you know, it's funny. Bullshit. You know, it's funny. Just today, I, I forgot where, where I even was, but I thought about that video today for some reason. I had not thought about that in a long time. <laughs> it's to, so precious, to, man. To, today. And, wow. I, and I said to myself, because I said to myself, you know, I never made I never made a a swinging aurora around video to kind of you know one generation after another uh, with a cabbage patch doll and, Do little, it, and, and man. yeah, Do but it. It, she's too old now. I mean, she's she's you know I don't know forty pounds or however the hell else she, but she see, is. You got you got AI and video on your side. You got you got this, man. Well, you got to do it anyway. You're, make your father proud. Anyway, secession. Um, secession, uh, and this is a question for Chris Ann Hall too, with all the people that are coming across the border, population matters. And, and so if Texas, Texicans by population decide that they're going to secede, who is going to be the dominant population there that is, um, you know, they're, they're putting uh, you know, non-citizens into uh, peace officer roles, and and you know it won't be long before we start seeing the uh, legislature of Texas populated by people that are not citizens of the state or the country, and we're you know it, we're going to see Texas secede, but is it going to be seceded by patriots? of the old school United States, you know, uh, wave the red, white, and blue, or who's going to, 
who's going to be doing the seceding? And that's my question for you and Chris Ann. Well, I'm going to let you uh, go and riff off on this, okay? Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for that, John. It's good to hear from you. Love you, brother. All right. Take care. I, I that, that would be a great call for a Texan or for Texans to, to answer. Because you got to think about this. If Texas or any state secedes, put yourself in that position. First of all, if you already had the political will to secede, now you are your own country. You are the supreme law in your country. Your supreme court is now the supreme court, period. That's it. And I guess in, in, in many ways, that's the way it is, too. But now you know how the culture is in this, in, in this, uh, this nation where uh, something can happen in a, a state and you'll get some kind of a ruling that you don't like from your Supreme Court in your respective state. And then suddenly there is an appeal to the, uh, the, the federal bench. And that has become part of the whole federal override culture that we've been talking about. So that would be interesting right there. It would be, you know, for as much as there is an issue, there's so much holding states back from really cleaning themselves out because of where money is coming from, what they are dependent on, and, of course, federal uh, law that would bar anybody in a civil rights manner from doing one thing or another that would otherwise be very, very um, reasonable. You know, what would Texas be able to do in deporting people who should not be there? You know, it, 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 um, I don't know, is it state law in Texas that is, that is allowing non-citizens to hold public office? I don't know anything about that. That's why I say it's actually probably best for Texans to call in. It's probably because Texans are probably the ones who have actually thought about this more than anybody else and fantasized about the first things that they would do if they're state is now an independent nation which it's um it already has a, a history of being that for a time so hey I, I would i would root for them i'd root for any 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 form of secession because i would like to see i like to see political will and autonomy being put forward i would love it i don't care i don't care because any state leaving doesn't mean that they don't come back it's just that what they have is unfavorable to what they want. And if there has been some kind of breach of contract, and everybody's in breach of contract, everybody is. This is just held together by insanity. Insanity and the fact that anybody who tried leaving before was just bombed mercilessly, firebombed. That, that, that's just really what holds this all together. Insanity and the threat of firebombing. So, I mean, there you have it. And for the people who are asking about um, about what's going on with Rumble, for example, last night's show is not on Rumble. I, I, I don't know. Listen, Rumble is, a, is, is, a, is a, a dumpster fire itself. Okay? Every platform has their issues. Rumble's issue is constant. I mean, everything that you do on the back end of a video, you want to put it private. You want to put it, you can't change anything on the back end. I tried re-uploading last night's episode twice now, and it keeps going to quite frankly profile channel because now you, because you know that you have to build another channel underneath it. And it, it, it's so weird. It's just so weird. 
if you if you use Rumble as a creator, as a channel owner, and you actually put content out there, then you know what I'm talking about. If you use Rumble just to watch other people, then then I don't know. I get you you probably have, you know buffering issue there or whatever, but it's probably not really noticeable. But if you use Rumble as a part of delivering a product, a media product that you are you are creating, uh, it is as glitchy as they come. I don't know. I see it over here for me. Trump swan song, star charts, planned chaos, featuring featuring Jeff Harmon. It's two hours and six seconds, two hours and six minutes long. Uh, it's been up for seven hours, only has 63 views because nobody can see it. I went on the back end. It's on the wrong channel. I didn't upload it to the wrong channel, but it's there. This is the kind of shit that happens all the time. So I, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, let's see. Where are we going? All right. So the first thing I wanted to do after that is, oh, there's Kerry Lake. Did you guys hear, speaking of other border states, did you hear this? There was a, I don't know who recorded it all, but the Arizona Republican Party chair, Jeff DeWitt, he was caught on recording trying to bribe Kerry Lake on behalf of forces much more powerful than he not to run for Senate. And it's about five minutes long. It was tweeted out by Colin Rugg. He said, there are very powerful people who want to keep you out. And she, you know, admits, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And then uh, very so soon after that, he starts delivering a little bit more of a pitch, like, you know, name your price kind of a thing. DeWitt says, just say there is a number at which, and then Carrie Lake says that I can be bought. What? Th that's what this is about? He's trying to push this along. He said you can, and he starts saying things like you can take a pause for a couple of years. You can go right back to what you're doing. They just want her out of the way for a little while. You got to hear a little bit of this. I should have asked uh, Chris Ann Hall about it, but we would have gone for another three hours. And uh, this is, I had too many other things that I wanted to do tonight. Listen to this. Hold on. Just a little bit. Is there a number at which? I can be bought. <laughs> what it's about i mean the one thing that i don't like about this uh this recording of course is the fact that carrie lake is eating munching through a fucking uh i don't know chicken caesar salad croutons and all the entire time so you know it it, it, it gets to the point it's where get to stop that it gets to the point where having to listen to the eating almost makes the bribery a secondary offense but listen to this Pause for a couple years. No. Let me go right back to what you're doing. Mm -mm. Take a no. pause. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. Now, I don't know, I have not seen who has, who set up the recording. I don't know who set up the recording. And what's going on there? Um, I would like to know the source of it all. But he goes on to even say things like, uh, you know, she, she asks, you know, what's going on and who are these people? And he said something along the lines of, I, you know, I if, if I turn my if I if I go public with any of this stuff, I'll turn the key in my car and things will go boom. 
So again, you start asking, who is he working on behalf of? Obviously, it's forces that are way outside the bounds of even the Arizona market, political marketplace. And man, oh man, there's so much. There's so much in there. And, and what are they trying to prevent? What are they trying to prevent over a very specific period of time? You can go back to what you're doing in a couple of years. Why? When, when she's a little bit more politically irrelevant, maybe she'll be a little bit more manageable then, or is there a specific operation that's about to be run? It's very weird, but, um, but the, you know, the whole, but it's also not surprising at all. This is the way that we've, we've always seen this stuff was, was being run. And again, Republican, Democrat, who the hell cares? Who cares? You know, it's, it's really, there's no real difference. I think it's disturbing that they would even, that anybody would think this is. I, I, no, to be fair, even me, even me, I'll say this. I want a fresh face right now for the reason that I've never seen anyone. I can't think of a single person. in a federal He wants a fresh face right now. Who lost, ran in one. I can't think of it. If you can think of it, let me know. I am not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. So what's going on? What is, uh, I'm assuming this is our friend. Uh, this is, this is, this is back east. Back east. This is back east. So, I don't know. The... There, there's more to that. Again, I have to I have to go a little bit deeper into this because I want to know what the hell is uh, is happening. Uh, what's happening at this meeting? Uh, it was it just being recorded because it was an official meeting. It's almost like minutes being taken, or was somebody wearing a wire? I would love to know who these people back east are. I really would. And if this is really all on the up and up, then uh, it, it's a good. It's it's an even better look for Carrie Lake. Even better look for her uh, to to be seen and recorded saying, get the hell out of here. I'm not taking any of that stuff. Uh, here's another little something going into the inside information point, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. Inside info hotline. What does that mean? You are in the know about something. It could be anything. It could be about any. Any number of things. You got something. If you want to LARP, you can LARP. Make it believable. But let me add, let me know what you know. Don't tell me what you what you read on Rumor Mill News. Don't tell me what your very secret uh, Telegram chat told you. Uh, none of that stuff. I want to know what you're involved in that has put you at the front of the line to witness something happening that is going to be news sooner than later. Okay. So there's the inside information hotline. Here's a little bit from Maria uh, Matiakuchik. I hope that I said that right. I did not, though. Here's what she said. I just got back from Ukraine where I was visiting some friends. Uh, everything we have heard about what's happening in Ukraine is a lie. The reality is darker, bleaker, and unequivocally hopeless. There is no such thing as Ukraine winning this war, something that we already knew. But tell us what you know, Maria. By their estimates, they have lost over a million of their sons, fathers, husbands, and entire generation is gone. Even in the Southwest, there is an anti-Russian sentiment that's long-standing. Citizens are reluctant or straight-up scared to publicly criticize Zelensky. They will go to jail. 
Every village and town and streets and shops and restaurants are mostly absent of men. A few men who remain are terrified of leaving their homes for fear of being kidnapped into conscription. Some have resorted to begging friends to break their legs to avoid service. Army search parties take place early in the morning when men leave their home to go to work. They ambush and kidnap them off the streets, and with three to four hours, they get listed in the Army and taken away straight to the front lines with minimal or no training at all. It is a death sentence, they are saying. That's a quote. It's getting worse every day. Where I was staying, a dentist had just been taken by security forces on his way to work, leaving behind two small children. Every day, three to five dead bodies keep arriving from the front line. Mothers and wives fight tooth and nail with the armed forces, beg and plead not to have their men taken away. They try bribing, which sometimes works, but most of the time they are met with physical violence and death threats. The territory celebrated uh, um, uh, they uh, celebrated as having been won back from Russia has been reduced to rubble and is uninhabitable. Regardless, there is no one left to live there and displaced families will likely never return. They see the way the war has been reported at home and abroad. It's a joke, they say, and propaganda, they also say. They say this, look around, is this winning? Worse, some have been hoaxed into believing that once Ukrainian forces are exhausted, American soldiers will come in to replace them and win the war. There is no ambiguity in the, with these people. The war was for nothing, a travesty. The outcome always was and is clear. The people are hopeless, utterly destroyed, and living in unending nightmare. Again, the same people who keep telling us that this is a noble cause, it needs to be won, it will be won, are the ones who are also facilitating a, uh, um, the invasion at the border and trying to hold back anybody that wants to put up a little bit of barbed wire at one point in a how how many how many hundreds how many, a thousand two thousand miles I don't, I have no clue how long the southern border is. It's a massive border. Somebody puts up a little barbed wire at the southern tip of Texas, and everybody goes nuts because they want maximum pain, maximum pain. I see some some people calling in to the uh, inside information hotline. Keep it coming. I'm almost done with this. Uh, they are pleading for an end, any end, most likely the same peace that could have been achieved two years ago. In their minds, they have already lost, for their sons, fathers, and husbands are gone, and their country has been destroyed. There is no victory that can change that. Make no mistake, they are angry with Putin, but they are also angry with Zelensky and the West. They have lost everything, worst of all, hope and faith, and cannot comprehend why Zelensky wishes to continue the current trajectory and one of human devastation. Because he's getting... He's getting celebrity treatment, not nearly as much as he used to. He gets to wear, you know, cargo pants and a nice fluffy fleece, and, and he gets cocaine. He gets a nice fluffy fleece sweater from the from the, the CIA, an endless supply of cocaine and money, and um, that, that's great. And, and at one point, he was being given people's hand-me-down Oscar awards. Academy Awards right there. I didn't witness the war, but what I saw was absolutely heartbreaking. Shame on the people, regardless of their intentions, who have supported this war, and shame on the media for continuing to lie about it. That's gotten viewed over 4.2 million times. And, um, and yeah, she provided her passports and everything. Let's take a call. Okay. All right. I'm not going to say who you are or, uh, or anything. Information um, from Inside Info Hotline. Go ahead. 
Hello, Frank. Good to hear your voice again and again every day. Uh, I'm just going to dox myself because this is Justin, your favorite chocolate maker. As long as you're, it's as uh, long as inside information. Good. Okay. As long as it was you, I wasn't um, going to dox you. I mean, I, I maybe I'm an audience member pretending to be me, but um, before I get into the inside information, I want to tell you that the goose egg is good. You want the bump. Good. I'm praying for Aurora always. But you want to see the bump because if you hit hard and there's not a bump, that means sometimes the bump goes inward. That is more concerning. Really? Just for a heads up. Okay. I have, so, so you, you mean know, well, I have very wild children. You yes, you, met them. Yes, you do. So okay, okay. So so Orion, he he's had he's had to have had many bumps. Many, like you know, face plant off the counter. <laughs> okay. Like you know, I feel I feel you, a little bit and, better. You know, the, the the challenge is actually he's fine. Five minutes later, it's my adrenals and my kidneys that are suffering for the next six hours. That's where I am right now. I feel like I can throw up into my yeah. lap thinking about her up there. You know, I, I almost want to keep her up until midnight just to so you know, just like they'll no, stay awake. I'm, sometimes I'll do like a flashlight in the eyes. I'll ask him a couple questions. I don't know. I just saw it in a movie. I think that's probably good. Usually they're with it in a few minutes, or even if they're a little. You know, they're a little slower for a little bit, but they're these these children are durable. They're made to last. We made it. Yeah. You made it with your dad spinning you around. Um, <laughs> and that was that was a great call. I love that. <laughs> um, okay, so I do. I want to get this little insider info on the record because it was so. It just it tickled me pretty good. Um, I was invited to a wedding. Zoe and I both uh, a handful of years ago, probably twenty seventeen ish. And uh, the location was not, uh, you had to like follow these directions. It felt like going to a rave in like the 90s or something. And you had to follow balloons on this on one tree. And then you go to this place. And we ended up on this amazing ranch, like an amazing, amazing ranch, only to find out that it was Jerry Brown's ranch. And that's why they were keeping it uh, hush hush. Jerry Brown, uh, twice governor of California. And yes. Info anyway. on the ranch. Um, so we're at this, this ranch, which uh, would be the kind of place you would want to be uh, like if Lucifer's Hammer hit. It's like one of those ranches, like fully done up. You even had a saloon. It was amazing. Anyways, I wander into, uh, I wander into the barn. I'm like wandering around because there's all these cool artifacts. And he's got this 12-foot tall flag of the state of Jefferson beautifully displayed in his barn. Jerry like, Brown? Uh, Jerry Brown. And I thought that was so fascinating. I was like, look at that. He's got a Jefferson. This is like six, seven years ago. Um, this is like before. I mean, it, it had some, some legs in the last 10 years. But I thought that was really fascinating that Jerry Brown has a giant Jefferson Flag, which kind of gave me a little bit of a wow. Maybe there's uh, more support for this than I thought. Well, you know, it's up it, in that territory. That's what I'm saying. It, that's almost like when you say Jerry Brown, Moonbeam Brown has a a, a a flag of the state of Jefferson from the California secessionist uh, movements that we always hear. You know, coming up, there's the Greater New York secessionist movements. There's a whole, the whole, there's a whole type, uh, a bunch of stuff there. But that's almost like going into Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's apartment and seeing the Gadsden flag up on the wall, 
That's that, that's just like like what the hell's going on here? That does that's crazy. It, it was a little disorienting, and I I was wondering like a how did it get here, and what like well, I wanted to know the story behind. It. I didn't get to ask him uh, about the flag, but uh, yeah. Zoe Zoe got to have a really nice deep dive with him about God, and because he used to be a student of uh, he used to be in uh, like a divinity school. Oh, Orion is just come through the gate here. Damn. But they had a really beautiful conversation, and um, it was just nice. She said, uh, aren't you like the mayor or something? <laughs> and he, he said, no, something like that. He, he's like, maybe I voted for you. And he looked at her, and we, you know, we're kind of hippies. He's like, you probably didn't vote for me. <laughs> but that didn't get in the way. They had a beautiful, like, 30-minute, um, wow. you know, eye-gazing conversation about the, the, the beauty of the presence of God in everything we see. So that was awesome. Well, and uh, that, that's my insider info for tonight. That is, I, I, that is, I, I'm glad we got that one. I didn't know what was going to come through this line. We have a couple more calls coming in, but the fact that this is, that's great inside information. Just a little bit of a, an anecdote, a little bit of a, did you know that Jerry Brown, who we, we just saw him as a, and he's still, I mean, his record is Agenda 2030 stooge, climate change stooge. That's what his record shows. But the fact that he has a a Jefferson State flag in there is something. uh, Thank you so much for that, Justin. Thanks for the call. Hi, Frank. Hey, who's this, Orion? Orion Orion is saying hi. Do you want to say hi to the audience, too? Hi. Hey, what's going on, man? Um, Where'd you um, get back from? I um, I got back from going to the beach. Oh. And I really miss you. Oh, oh, we we miss you too. You you said you were at the beach today. Yeah, we just um, we moved to a. We live like a down the street from the beach, so that's kind of our playground now. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Uh, you, you, thank you for this, and everybody. This is again. This is Justin from Yes Cacao. So this is our, uh, he is our chocolate man. Go and check him out at yescacao.com. Wonderful guy, great family, and thank you for calling in. Love you, Frank. Have a great one. All right, there you go. He's a, he's an insider now, too. That's what we got. Jerry Brown has subversive flags flying up in his little compound over there in California. What would you know? What do you know? All right, so uh, the Inside Information Hotline, 914-369-1236. What do you know that people need to know? Here's another one for you. This is from Zach Voorhees, who is himself a Google whistleblower. He's been on the show many times. I consider him a friend. Well, he's got a little something from another Google insider that was just published on their uh, LinkedIn not too long ago. Her name is Diane Hirsch Theralt. Or Therialt. Where the hell is it? Okay, I'm just going to read it off of here. Ready? Diane Hirsch Therialt's post says, My hot take, Google does not have one single visionary leader. Not one. From the C-suite to the SVPs to the VPs, they are all profoundly boring and glassy-eyed. Google has not launched one single successful executive-driven thing in years. Sometimes VPs try to decree, quote, we need a new chat app or AI first demo. Uh, There is a boondoggle slog, and in the end, the thing is half-baked and roundly derided. 
if it doesn't get 100 million users in six months, they give up and shut it down. It's like that joke algorithm I learned about in college, BOGO sort. Uh, in each iteration of the algorithm, you reorder everything randomly, and if the elements happen to land in order, you are done. Wow. Well, I guess if you have uh, FU money, like Google does, and um, you are plugged in as a major component of a much larger operation for the country's trajectory and the world trajectory, I guess you can you can screw around with this and not really have um, very enthusiastic or, I don't know, inspiring VPs over there. Uh, some of Google's executives are competent referees. I couldn't name which, but I feel like I've seen it done in my eight plus years. They point in a direction, their subordinates swarm and swarm the area, try a bunch of stuff, and then sometimes something sticks and it's cool. Right now, all of these boring, glassy-eyed leaders are trying to point in a vague direction AI, while at the same time killing their golden goose. Given that they have no real vision of their own, they really need their subordinates to come up with cool stuff for them. And at the same time, they have been ro rolling layoffs for the past 6 to 12 months throughout the company, including engineering, sales, support, UX, uh, product, data science, SRE, everything. Just randomly firing people, torching institutional knowledge, and blowing up perfectly functional teams. Maybe it's not random, but they refuse to describe their reasons except that we are excited to focus our resources on our highest priorities. So it might as well be random. I think they don't know what the priorities are, not durably. Uh, they are waiting for their subordinates to propose concrete stuff in the direction that they are waving their arms. Uh, meanwhile, all of the mid-level leaders are scrambling to protect their teams and themselves by guessing what their VPs might find appealing. If you are a leader and you guess wrong, you and your team get cut. There is a pervasive sense of nihilism that has taken hold. Quote, well, I guess I just do the job until they fire me, end quote. A lot of people have golden handcuffs situations and aren't going to walk away from the salary, but nobody works late anymore. The buildings are half empty at 4.30 p.m. I know a lot of people, myself included, who used to happily do extra work evenings and weekends to get demo done or just out of boredom. That is all gone. Google really was a magical place not very long ago. And for some reason, executives are cashing out their human capital at every moment. It seems to me like they really need it. Who can be uh, who can be dawn of a new era humanity creative in this environment of fear? It's really sad. I have no way to align myself with any unspoken VP strategy or do good enough work to save myself if my whole team is cut. So I guess I will just hang around and do my job until Google no longer wants me. Well, that is some interesting inside information. Um, if I have ever seen it, as far as forecasting where a company goes. Now, if that is what the sentiment of a major company or any company is at, at any time, then what, where, where are you going from there? Where are you going from there? There's no way that that company survives. None whatsoever. But if it's Google, I mean, let's be honest. They have they have the search engines. They have a couple other products that people go nuts for. Um, you know, YouTube, all that is, is LinkedIn. But as far as innovating, um, they're being kept alive by the people that they really serve. Okay? The people that they're collecting data for things like that. And I'm sure it was a really exciting place to, 
to work at at one point. But all that is gone. I mean, this this has just been sapped out of everything. That's big in time, the big uh, uh, inside information right there. You know, we tend to see Google as this this meddling ideological machine, and in many ways, I'm sure it's crippled by that same culture too, and that's what holds a lot of it back. But um, but when you look at it like that, it it, it seems almost like a, a hapless ghost hapless ghost town, you know. So um, there's some inside information for you. We get this here. The let me see some news out of New Hampshire. It seems that um, Donald Trump has won the primary out there. Now, what everybody is reporting is that right now, with they say 28% of the votes counted, Donald Trump has won. And I don't know where the estimates are coming from. Rich Barris will be able to tell us. 53.3% as AP is calling it right now. 53.3% versus Nikki Haley's 45.8%. Now it's 536 to 45.5. 29% of the votes came in. So there is a little bit of a um I don't know, a swell around Nikki Haley that is so so I mean where 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 does it come from? Where did 43,000 people Right now, 50,705 votes cast for Donald Trump, 43,146. No way. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I don't believe it at all. Already here. Already here. If he's neck and neck with Nikki Haley. Now, I know it's only 29% and it's going to widen, but as it is right now, that's ridiculous. So we'll see tomorrow but uh there is another one down the pins are falling and uh can't wait until she just goes away anyway all right uh and also the lines are open just in general 914-200-0269 let's take a little a little bit of a break when we come back you guys and only you for the next eight minutes it's intermission time folks. that's not what i wanted to do have you tried the lasagna it's my favorite give me that did you catch a game last night is it still hot out there? Do you like hot fudge sundaes? Yeah. All right. Credit for one thing. You have because to give them credit. They're out in the open the now. They're out in the open now. They're not even trying to conceal it anymore. The owners of the country have, t they bought their, got their election. They said, we're going to get this election. We put you people in that court for a reason. Right. Now's Back the time to, to pay Earth us. for you and now. Yeah, forget all that stupid, will you? <laughs> <laughs> They're out in the open. They're, open. No, they're openly driving the bus, and we're all in the back. There is no, there is no national conspiracy to buy elections and control America. Now that, talk about back to earth. Conspiracy, but you don't need a formal conspiracy. Right. When interests converge, these people went to the same universities and fraternities. They're on the same boards of directors. They're in the same country clubs. They have like interests. They yes. don't need to call a meeting. They know what's good for them. It's a they're getting it. And there, there used to be seven oil companies. There are now three. It will soon be two. The things that matter in this country have been reduced in choice. There are two political parties. There are a handful of insurance companies. There are about six or seven information.
information thing. But if you want a bagel, there are 23 flavors because you have the illusion. You have the illusion of choice. Right. You don't get the real important choice. There's exactly. no freedom of choice. Nine one four two hundred oh two six nine, or we have the inside information hotline. So we had a couple of bits of inside information, including one great call from the chocolate wizard in California. That is Justin Polgar. All right. So what do you got for us, ladies and gents? Um, over on the Super chat end of things. Nina Rock says, God bless you and your family, Frank. God bless this channel. Love you guys. Thank you, Nina. Thank you. We're all going to make it. We're all going to make it. Jesse81138. Thank you. Sean Joe, Porpoiseful, C Blanche. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Paulie9363. Still, thank you so much, Paulie, for that EMP last night. It was really, really amazing of you. Sean Joe, Tam Growl. Vader says, much love, Frank. Great work, and thank you. Brewbark says, Chris Ann Hall for Attorney General. For the win. What a great show. You guys were exceptional, says Jay Sem. Jay Jewel says, just bought Sovereign Duty. Book club with Chris Ann book. Oh, that wouldn't that be something? Now, I tend to, I tend to like the idea of fiction for a book club, just so that we can analyze character arc and all that stuff. I, as much as... Things like Sovereign Duty by Christian Hall are essential reading, uh, especially for homeschool curriculum, self-education. It's, it's essential. Nonfiction, history, it's essential reading. But it's, you know, to, to bring it into a book club, I guess you can do that, especially if everybody is just like, I, we want to be able to read the Federalist Papers together and talk about it. We can do that stuff for sure. But, um, you know, I just feel like uh, sometimes fiction and analyzing a story and characters and, and all that stuff can really, um, can really be a good, much-needed break. So I'm open to all things in the future, but that is why I tend to favor fiction for a book club. Let's see here. Thank you, John, uh, Juan Morting. Robert Sarns, Ginger45, NJSF, always a great show with Chris Ann. Thank you, NJ. And Sal. Sal says, thanks for another fabulous show and prayers for sweet Aurora. Oh, I just can't wait to see her tomorrow morning, and I hope that she's feeling all right. We'll be thinking about this all night. We'll be watching that baby monitor all night. Uh, anywho. Okay. Well, you know what? That's all we have. That's all we have. I'll be checking out the inboxes so you can go and email me. Quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. I would love to see what you have in store, what's been going through your minds. And uh, from now until tomorrow night, we got a great show tomorrow night with Tony Merkel of The Confessionals. It's his first time on, and we're going to talk about something spooky. That'll be good. That'll uh, start in the first half, and it'll bleed over to the second. And then um, we have another good one on Thursday night. So uh, strap in, because we're just getting started. Thank you, guys and gals, for everything, and I will see you... Car, car guys, hold on. Car guys, New England says, can't wait to see you back in Studio A. It'll happen. Don't worry. It, it's going to feel a little bit weird. It really will. But I'm glad that I've gotten comfortable here at home. 
I can't stress that enough. It's good to have fallback locations, and um, and I'm I'll find some regular nights. I definitely on on nights where I do book club, I'll be home. I just like that. Like I said last night, but I'll see you soon. Talk to you on the other side, and uh, you guys have been great. Thanks again to Chris Ann Hall, and tomorrow we gather again at 7 p.m. Until then. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. Now, Super Chatters. Starting with Car Guys New England and Jay Brits, Stostube, Captain Cast Iron Returns, Hello Kitty SKS, Revolution, and Tired. So tired. Thank you guys. Thank you gals. Thank you to 925 uh, SG over there on, uh, on Rumble and all of our gold pillars. I'm about to release the scratch and sweet dreams, my friends. Sweet dreams indeed. Uh, no after hours programming tonight, but we'll have something nice for you tomorrow, no doubt.